in the day-to-day -day trenches of adult life, there is actually no such thing as atheism. There is no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And a compelling reason for maybe choosing some sort of God or spiritual type thing to worship, be it JC or Allah, be it Yahweh or the Wiccan mother goddess or the Four Noble Truths or some inviolable set of ethical principles, is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough. Never feel you have enough. It's the truth. Worship your own body and beauty and sexual allure and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally plant you. On one level, we all know this stuff already. It's been codified as myths, proverbs, cliches, epigrams, parables, the skeleton of every great story. The whole trick is keeping the truth up front in daily consciousness. Worship power, you will end up feeling weak and afraid, and you will need ever more power over others to numb you to your own fear. Worship your intellect, being seen as smart, you will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. Look, the insidious thing about these forms of worship is not that they're evil or sinful. It is that they are unconscious. They are default settings. They're the kind of worship you just gradually slip into day after day, getting more and more selective about what you see and how you measure value without ever being fully aware that that's what you're doing. And the so-called real world will not discourage you from operating on your default settings because the so-called real world of men and money and power comes merrily along on the fuel of fear and anger and frustration and craving and the worship of self. Infinite Jest, about a thousand pages about modern culture. He was a great cultural commentator. Uh, he had gone through RCIA about twice, but left and did not convert to the Catholic faith because he thought it was a personality cult. And the truth is, it is a personality cult. We Catholics worship the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we call that worship the Mass. This is Father John Arnold. This is Oral Valley Catholic. And today my guest is Sister Lois Paha, who is the Director of Liturgy for the Diocese and the head of the Pastoral Services Department. I've asked her to talk to you about the liturgical conference that's coming up in January and why you should attend it. But here's Sister Lois to explain what liturgy is. Well, liturgy is um, our common prayer among the Catholic community and other Christian communities. It's our prayer in common. It's the work of the people. It comes to us from a Greek word, meaning the ministry or the work of the people. And so when we use the word liturgy, we're talking about what we do when we gather as a group, usually on Sundays, sometimes other days to celebrate sacraments, to pray the prayer of the church not just our own personal prayer, but a prayer that has been given to us historically through the centuries to remind us who Jesus is, who Jesus is in our life, what the Eucharist is, and who we are as the Christian people. You know, I've heard uh, people complain that Mass is always the same thing every week. Um, is there an advantage to having that kind of uh, sameness, that kind of predictability in liturgy? I think in liturgy the predictability is important because we know 
what's coming next. We start with our sign of our faith, the sign of the cross, and we listen to the scripture, and then we hear the elements of the sacrament, whether it's baptism, confession, communion, confirmation. We can anticipate it, expect it, and be comfortable with it. We're not shocked or surprised by anything. Sometimes we can say, oh, here we go again. However, the difference is our liturgy of the word changes. 52 weeks of the year, we hear different particles and snippets of the scripture, passages of the scripture. We hear different preaching from the priests and deacons. So if someone comes and says, I hear the same thing all the time, my question is, what are you listening to? Who are you listening to? How are you listening? You know, when we talk about liturgy, I, you know, you think of the mass or you think of the liturgy of the hours, but we also talk about the liturgical year. What's the difference between liturgy, say, in mass and liturgy when you talk about a liturgical year or a liturgical season like Advent, Christmas, Lent, and Easter? The liturgical year gives us a way to look at the development of our Christian life and to look at the ways in which we have a, a, a starting point, a beginning and an ending. A year when you know we have Happy New Year, first day, and then a concluding year. With our liturgical year, we take the seasons in the life of Christ and we live that throughout the year. The Advent Christmas season tells us about his birth, his mother, the people who were present for his birth, and what that calls us to, to keep living that life. The seasons during ordinary times, 34 green weeks, we call it, that gives us passages of the life of Jesus and how we continue to live that life week after week and year after year. During, of course, the Lent and Easter season, we take a look at the passion and death of Christ and his resurrection, of course, the center of our Christian life. But we look at how we have to grow in our own life. We may take a retreat time and prayer time to go through a little penance in our life so that we can rise again on Easter. You know, I've met a lot of kids. I always like to ask, what do you want to do with their life? Some want to play uh, football and the pros. Others want to be doctors or lawyers. They want to build houses. They want to be firefighters or police. I have never met a single little kid who said they wanted to be a liturgist. So that's kind of weird. How did you end up being a liturgist? Is it just restricted to being a sister? Well, when I was a child, I didn't think about being a liturgist, but I did think about being a sister because, but I really thought about being a teacher. Uh, the sisters I knew were teachers and I was the elder in a family and so I made my little brothers and sisters be my students so I could be a teacher. But I would also play mass with them because I loved going to church and going to mass. It was only later in my life that I realized my love for the liturgy, the prayer of the mass, really invited me to consider being someone who studied liturgy more carefully. And now today I admit I'm called a liturgist because I really love the liturgy, the prayer of the church, and encouraging other people to love it, to fall in love with it, to love it, and to live it so that they can live their life in the best way possible. 
Sister, my understanding is that there's this big liturgy conference coming up in Tucson uh, in January. That sounds pretty boring. Is uh, I take it liturgists have really just a colorless life, or will they have any fun at that darn thing? Well, in my opinion, they're going to have a blast because we have worked very hard to make it a very exciting and interesting event. Uh, this is actually a conference that um, is a regional conference that moves around 28 dioceses of two of our regions in the U.S., the region 13 and 10, which include eight states of the Southwest. And the topics we present really encourage us to think about what is it that we do in liturgy. And here, our Diocese of Tucson has chosen the theme that we hear at the end of Mass, the dismissal rite, go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. When our planning team saw that, we said, aha, evangelization, what do we really do when we go out the door? Some say the most important part of the liturgy is the exit sign. It's what we do when we go out the door after we've participated in what we do within the doors. So we're hoping to hear from some pretty skilled leaders about what we do in evangelization, liturgy in a missionary key, Christ's message made known to us in word and deed, meeting yourself coming and going in the liturgy, worship and the Catholic imagination, the church as a sacred space, and then liturgical ministry called and gifted through witness and solidarity. So we have six keynote speakers who will address us, as well as breakout sessions for RCIA leaders in parishes, for other parish ministers, for communion ministers, for readers, for lectors, for those who are hospitality ministers. So we're looking for a way to re-energize ourselves in our pastoral work in the parishes and encourage others to really love the liturgy and live the liturgy well. As we kind of bring this to a close, Sister, if you were to give words of advice to people who are trying to bring their kids to Mass, uh, and we got a lot of young families at St. Mark's, uh, what would you tell them was the importance of bringing little kids to Mass when little kids seem to understand so little of what's actually happening? For little kids at Mass and for families, a lot of times the words are not the, the sellers, but it's the action of the people that is often uh, the attraction. I have seen young families bring their children to the front row, not to the back row near the restrooms, but to the front row, and I've watched children imitate the actions of the priest to raise the host, to lift the chalice, to, to fold their hands the way and move their arms the way the priest was moving them so that they saw something going on that they could be physically a part of. And so maybe teaching children beforehand about the parts of the Mass, not just in the words, but in the actions, let them learn some of the songs ahead of time so that they can be fully consciously active participations participants in the liturgy uh, as we all are together. Well, Sister, my understanding is that everybody is invited to the Southwest Liturgical Conference. You don't actually have to be a liturgist to go. 
that there's uh, sessions for everybody. There's social time together. There's time to pray and there's mass. And that's going to be down at the Doubletree Hotel near Reed Park, right in the middle of town. And it's going to be from January 15th to the 18th. And you can be there for all of it or parts of it. Is that right? That's correct. And everybody's invited? Everyone is invited. We begin Wednesday evening with a welcome from Bishop Weisenberger to the diocese and our opening talk. And then Thursday and Friday, our day-long and evening workshops. We have a special mass celebrated at the cathedral on Thursday evening at 5.30 that all are welcome to. Even if you're not able to come to the conference, show up at the cathedral. That would be a real... A gift to all of us for you to be present and then on Saturday morning we will have another talk and some more workshops uh, to encourage us to do what the theme for our week says to go in peace glorifying the Lord by your life sister thank you for taking the time to appear on Oral Valley Catholic you've been listening to Deus EBS performed by our St. Mark Festival Choir at uh, the uh, Easter Vigil back uh, last spring. And it's an example of what we try to do to have beautiful liturgies at St. Mark. But it's difficult to have beautiful liturgies uh, without an understanding of why liturgy ought to be beautiful and why we ought to be reverent in our worship of God. Our community is directed towards union with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Our Lord gave his life on, our cro on uh, the cross for us. And so as we think of uh, people like David Foster Wallace, who uh, just seemed to be a, a soul searching, he understood that we, you can't be swallowed by your appetites, that the human person was meant to worship the transcendent. Uh, so for us, as we uh, give our witness, when we wear ashes on our forehead and we pray the rosary or a priest or a nun dresses in their cleric or habit, uh, that we remember that we're witnessing to Jesus Christ and the belief of our community. And so I hope to see at the liturgical conference, I really urge our uh, ministers in, our, uh, in liturgy to be part of it and to be a witness to Christ, and also to enjoy yourself, maybe have a glass of wine. This has been another episode of Oral Valley Catholic with Father John Arnold, the grooviest podcast in Northwest Oral Valley.